from Lindefia Podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton, and our special guest today, Mark Rutter, um, Director of BuzzFeed Academy uh, and Newcastle United Academy coach. Mark, it's great to have you on from the sidelines today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gary. Pleasure to be here. Mark, just before we get into the uh, depths of the podcast, uh, we're going to look at long-term player development today. Um, once again, thanks for coming on. Can you just explain to everyone a little bit of background about yourself and your current roles in coaching? Yeah, sure, Gary. Um been coaching now for just under 15 years. Um had the privilege of being coaching director at Fast Feet for the past 11, where we work with a number of uh, educational establishments and um, deliver private technical development centre, um, which focuses on individual technique um, in a group setting, small group setting. Um, also got the privilege of uh, coaching at the academy at Newcastle, um, working with a variety of age groups, but mainly the pre-academy groups on a on a Friday evening, which um, which is something I, I really enjoy doing. You'll be very busy, Mark, as we all are. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah, like like we all are. Yeah, sure. Mark, we'll look at long-term player development and we'll probably think about nurturing of talents, guiding, engaging them and giving players more confidence. But what does that actually look like? Um, I think a big part of it, Gary, is um, what I would call creating a fearless learning environment, which... Um, gives players the um, the opportunity to build confidence, especially around the decision making. Um, if we're allowing players to, you know, enjoy their football, whether that's game or training, and understand that, you know, winning, losing, scoring, conceding, playing a great ball, maybe making the right choice sometimes, but the wrong choice at others is is all part of the game. Um, I think that then provides a platform for the players to go on and develop. Um, there's quite a lot in there about mindset. And one of the big things that I'll say to players of all ages is, you know, you, it's okay to be disappointed if it doesn't go quite right. But the next moment is always the most important one. Um, and try and get the players into good habits of looking forward of, right, okay, well, it hasn't quite gone right at that point. For whatever reason, but we're all part of a, you know, a learning environment. What could I do differently next time? And giving them the confidence then to, um, to go on and improve, and not maybe ponder on the things that haven't gone quite right, but the things that could go better in the future, and also what is going well for them. Well, a big, a big word in this must be patience, mustn't it? With long-term player development, massively. Um, you know especially children, if you're working with children of a, a variety of ages, um, there's a lot of different factors that, that come into consideration. Um, you know, age is one. You could have a, a, a child in your session who um, is born in a September and um, another child who is born in the August. That's nearly a year's difference. So then it comes down to physicality. Um, you know, kids grow up different. Uh, different stages. You'll get some kids who are really tall, some kids who are really small. Um, a big reminder that I always give myself is, you know, I'm going to be the best player ever to live um, is Lionel Messi. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. So 
taking all those things into consideration, all those challenges and being patient with the players that you've got the privilege of working with is really important. Also experience. I mean, as with anything, when you're learning a new skill, whether it's, you know, reading, writing at school or, you know, playing a musical instrument, and in this case, playing football, normally you'll find the, the individuals who've had more chance to practice are the ones who have, are further down the line with their development. And so when we take, for example, children who have just started playing the game, whether that be, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight year old, what we'll sometimes find is that we'll have players um, in your group or in your program or your teams or your squads, whatever it looks like, who have got a lot of experience and they're a little bit further down the line with the development. Now, what I would what I would ask people to look at and, and coaches of all levels and all experiences is what rough diamonds have you got in there? Who's just started playing? We all know players who've come through and started grassroots a little bit later or have come into an academy a little bit later down the line. And um, they've all of a sudden burst onto the scene. You think, oh, wow, they're, they're, they're doing brilliantly. Where was this three, four, five years ago? It might be because they've, they hadn't had as much chance to practice, develop, gain confidence in, you know, in, a, in their ability. Um, so I think patience, going back to your initial point there, Gary, is 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 the word to remember when it comes to development players over a, a long period of time. Yeah, and and Mark, I think if you go back probably a few years now, um, mm-hmm. you know when 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 players uh, would play out on the street, they would play out in the field. Uh, and you would go to the park for a game and there wouldn't just be you and your mates, there would be another 20 or 30 and you would be playing 10, 15 aside, wouldn't you? Um, mm-hmm. Developing that street football scenario, you know, playing with your mates, playing with olders of maybe three or four years, if not more. I remember playing against players. Uh, but ultimately brought you on and developed you to, to, to where you were when you when you came to senior football. Um, we don't see that now, do we, Mark? I think that's the point I'm trying to make. And and football now is very structured, um, whether that's um, programmes like yourself that you have on or the grassroots clubs have on for the players. So you, going back to your point, we're getting players that have maybe just started playing at six-year-olds Whereas in the past, they might have had lots of years of kicking that ball around. Even later, isn't it, where you get players starting the game at eight, nine-year-old. Um, so, yeah, and I suppose that comes down to that as a coach, is dealing with that differentiation within your group, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges as a coach. If if you've got a group of players and some are a little bit more further along that journey than others, it's it's how do you engage everybody? How do you make it enjoyable for the player who's maybe not as experienced? Um, and and how do you challenge the ones who are a little bit further ahead? I think again that comes down to what your focus is as a coach, and if you focus on effort and a positive attitude to learning. And you, you remind the, the players and the children of that when they're, they're taking part in the session and they're training or at games, then they'll become a little bit more comfortable with their own journey because it's more about 
what they're doing and how they can give themselves the best chance of success, whatever that looks like. Because you know, success on a on a football pitch, um, don't get me wrong, winning is, is you know, it's important. People like to win. Children like to win, you know. If it's football or, you know, playing on FIFA or whatever, not that my kids get to win on FIFA because I, I don't let them win on FIFA. But um, <laughs> joking aside, um, it, the, if, if we can instill that mindset of effort and positive attitude to learning, give yourself the best chance of success, then you as an individual could have a great game. You could do lots of things right. Have lots of nice learning experiences, good learning experiences, but your team might get beat. The next week, you could be having the worst game ever for whatever reason. Um, you could be displaying a really poor attitude. Your efforts aren't as good as it could be, but your team wins one nil. Where you know where's the, where's the um, where's the focus? Because individually, if you want to to become a really good player, whatever level that looks that looks like, then if your focus is I'm going to do the very best I can to help my team, then you've got a great chance of moving forward. If it's, well, I'm not having a good game, but I've won, and my team's won, then eventually you're probably not going to develop as good as, as much as what you could have done if, if you had a, a bit more of a positive attitude. So us as coaches, I would always say, especially if you've got a team that maybe is having a little bit of a tough time. You know, not everybody can win. Not everybody can be at the top of the league. If you've got a team who's having a few challenges, how can you, I suppose, just strip that back a little bit and start focusing on the players individually and giving them some individual challenges that they can achieve in the game, which gives the team the best chance of success, whatever that looks like, which will then ultimately continue to move them forward because if we focus especially in youth football and I'll get a little bit the, the focus is a bit different as they go through the ages because players want to compete especially at a higher level but certainly when the it's mini soccer time having that focus on um, the individual progression which then links into the team progression will give them as a group the best chance of success on that day so they could walk away from a game. They might have lost, but, you know, if you set a winger, you know, I want you to, I don't know, be really positive with the football and I want you to go 1v1. We've been working on 1v1s in, in our training and you've got lots of skill and I think you're great at that. So let's see how many times you can beat your opponent. They might beat them five times. They might put, you know, four assists on a player for one of the teammates who might miss them all. That's just the way it goes for the little cherubs sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. But for that individual player, they've had a really good morning or a really good afternoon. So as you're coming off, if that's your focus as a coach, what impact's that going to have for the following week and the weeks after that? And if you can get, the, especially the, children, the young children, into that mindset early doors of, you know what, I'm going to look after myself and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to give 100%. And that will give me and my teammates the best chance of success. Then we'll build some really resilient players who um, understand that sometimes we can win, sometimes we can lose. But if we go out there and we give our very best, then we've got the best chance of success. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we talk about, don't we, Mark, creating these in, in great environments for the players mm -hmm. to develop. 
But I suppose what's the what's the factors around that for us as coaches that we need to consider? Oh, that that that's a really good <laughs> question, Darren. Um, I'd say one of the big things is how do you keep your play uh, your players motivated when when they're little, when they you know they come to you in the five, six, seven, eight. Um, it's probably a little bit easier to keep them motivated than it is when they're. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're teenagers, there's, you know, maybe other things, other priorities that they've gotten um, in their lives, uh, other distractions. What I'd say there is, is um, think about how you can keep the players involved. We're going to keep the players motivated. They, they, they come to be involved, don't they? So that might be game time. But I'd also, um, I'd also suggest that as a coach that, if I'm delivering a session, it's how involved are they during the session? Um, especially as we move into the 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 bigger pitches and the, the bigger numbers, so your nine v nines and especially your eleven v elevens. There was a um, a lot of chat not so long ago around touches on the ball. So it's pretty obvious that. The less players you've got on the pitch and the smaller the pitch, the more involvement you're going to have. So when it gets to 11 v 11, I think the average was something like 40 touches in a game. And that's a 90 minute game if you're on for 90 minutes. If you imagine that's what my mathematics is correct, that's less than two touches a minute. Not a lot, is it? Not a lot of involvement. So if you're a a 14-year-old player um, and you're playing right wing and it's a cold, wet Sunday morning or a Saturday afternoon, whatever it is, and you're not having much involvement in the game, that week in, week out, especially if it's a similar type of environment and training, it's not going to be massively enjoyable. So ideas around mixing up your formats is good. There's lots of small-sided formats kicking kicking around there now. Futsal is a big one. Um I know futsal in the area is booming, um, and that's very enjoyable for for players. Three v three is another one, which is pretty easy to set up. Um, I also think, as well as the environment and getting the players involved, keeping them motivated, it's very much about getting to know the the person and not just the player. So it might be things around, you know, how was your day at school, finding out what team to support. Um, that's always quite interesting when we've we've got a Sunderland supporting player um, who's who's um, who's with us. Uh, have a little bit of fun around that, but just getting generally getting to know them because if you get to know the person a little bit more, um, then you'll probably get them to engage a little bit more in the sessions. And um, if that happens, then they'll they'll enjoy it. And if, as with anything, if you're enjoying something, you're going to want to come back and you're going to. You're going to give your very best to, to um, you know, like I said before, be successful in whatever you're doing. Yeah, because I think our role as coaches, Mark, isn't it? It's to make sure that the players that are with us continue to love the game and want to stay involved with the game. And that's not always about playing. It may be coaching or volunteering within grassroots clubs that will continue to need to need these people for for football to continue. So we've got to try to, as you say, engage them in whatever capacity we, we can. 
and and I think just a few times um, within podcasts to be fair on on how we can involve the parents as well. Um, look, we've got a question coming up around a parental perspective, but engaging the parents in, in, in match days, training nights, and getting them to buy into what we're trying to achieve, and that might not be achieving it, winning a game of football, but it might be them challenges that were set individuals for them to have a positive, a positive environment on that match day or on a training night. Yeah, uh, uh, that's really important because it's <clears throat> having a having a um, a good positive relationship with parents and guardians can help massively. It, it can help sometimes, you know, if, if a if a player certainly is a, they're they're getting a little bit older, is going through a challenging time, maybe at school or socially, and um, that communication can can help you as a coach understand if they're having a tough time on the pitch. Um, and obviously, uh, you can be. There's a lot more. You know, you can be understanding as a coach to to help them through that period. I think um, certainly something I've used in the past with the younger age groups um, are match planners, slightly formal. Um, but if I was given, or we would, we would give um, individual uh, challenges to the players. It could be this is you know something like taking somebody on, or it might be something as simple as um, if a defender's there, mini soccer. It's not offside. Make sure you check the sh- check your shoulder to make sure no one's standing behind you. Um, and that would get sent out to parents prior to the game, so that the parents could be involved, be understood what their child's um, challenges were for that week um, individually. Um, Never anything around team tactics or anything like that. This was an under eight, nine group. Um, but it was just to keep the parents involved so they understood what we were trying to do as coaches. Um, but also so they could chat to the children about it. Might be in the way in the car. Remember what we talked about before? Keep playing defence, check your shoulder. Um, but also that discussion on the way home in the car. Yeah. Again, not focusing too much on the result, but uh, you know what, your objective was this or whatever. You, you know what, I, I could see you trying to do that today. That was brilliant. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And don't underestimate saying how proud you are of your child, by the way, mm. irrespective of the score. Effort, positive attitude, doing your very best today. I'm proud of you. That will make them feel a million dollars and yeah more than likely next week want to go back irrespective of the score or the weather and be buzzing to go yeah. and play or train. Um, so I think um, good positive communication with the parents is important. It It isn't all, I think one of the challenges as a coach, irrespective if you're a paid coach or you're volunteering is um, sometimes those conversations can be challenging. Um, because parents have got a bet and guardians have got a vested interest in the child, and that's normal. Um, but I think if you clear what um, your your objectives are, maybe around talking about game time or what you're looking for from the the children at the very start, and everybody knows where they're at, then that kind of navigates that that mm. um, those potential challenges. But yeah, on the whole, parental communications really important and plays an important part of 
making sure that the children are enjoying their football. Yeah. Yeah, so just continuing on that theme then, Mark, um, mm-hmm. from a par- from a parental perspective, uh, there can sometimes be a concern if a child isn't going into an academy at an early age, as an example, mm-hmm. um, with a focus around missing out. How does that long-term player development help the late developers? Well, if, if, and I've had a few of these conversations over the years. Um, one of my roles previously was I, I was I was um, I was a scout with Newcastle um, five or six years ago, and there'd be many a time I'd be wandering about the mini soccer, and a parent would come up of a player who would be a really good player, but at that point, for whatever reason, not quite in in the academy system, and I would always say to them, you know. Does your child want to be a pro? Is that their dream? And the answer, more often than not, would be yes. Now, without getting into the ins and outs of how many children make it through to become a pro, because we all know that's um, that's very small. My first response would be, they don't become a pro at six, seven, eight, or nine. They become a pro at 18, 19, 20. So there's plenty of time. There's no rush. And it could be as simple as, they're a late starter or they're a late developer. Um, again, from a, I'll, I'll go back to what I said before previously. From a par- and I'm a parent of, a, of a, a, a child who plays grassroots football. My main focus every single week is be the best you can be um, and make sure that your effort's good and you've got a positive attitude and what will be what will be. And that's something I'll always say to parents. Now, if you want your child to enjoy their football and, and continue playing and potentially be that late developer, if they're not in an academy at an earlier age, then um, my advice would be to be supportive. Um, remind them that effort and a positive attitude will give them the best chance of success and development. Because if they don't give 100% effort, then irrespective of their natural ability, and we've all seen players like this in the past, you'll have probably played with some lads over the years, Gary, where you thought, wow, talented. Why aren't they playing at a higher level? Or why mm-hmm. haven't they made it as a pro? Normally, that comes down to, if they're very talented, technically, and gifted, comes down to attitude and application. Yeah. And sometimes we'll see players coming through and either being in the system, academy system, or making as a professional footballer who aren't as gifted, but have got an amazing attitude, an amazing resilience. And that comes from not just themselves, but the support network around them and more importantly, parents and guardians and the environment that they're in. I would argue that their environment away from football is more important than at football they're only with us for a limited amount of time mm. you're a grassroots coach you've got them for an hour a week they have an impact and that's really important that impact that you have but as a parent or a guardian the impact that you have day in day out on their attitude to developing if that's what they want to do um that that, that is the most important thing yeah so the, the big the big answer there is no rush, 
patience. Yeah. And set them set set your child up to give them the best chance of success, whatever that looks like. Marty mentioned confidence mm-hmm. a few times on the on the uh, podcast here today, and we hear it all the time within football. What does that look like on the pitch? I'll try and sum this up in a simplistic way if I can. <laughs> um, confidence, the ability to try and make the right decision. The 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 the, the pitch. See what, and I've I've used this term. I've lost count over the years. A, a player, irrespective of their age, the game's chaotic, right? There's loads happening, loads of moving parts. You've got the ball, you've got your teammates, you've got the opposition, um, you've got the weather to navigate, all that kind of stuff. Might be blowing a gale, you might be playing on a mud patch. The picture that a player, an individual player, will see at a particular moment in time. They are the only ones in the world who can see that picture at that moment. Now, confidence. Especially especially if, if a child or a player is playing at um, a good level. The better the level, the quicker they've got to decide what they want to do. Whatever it is, pass, dribble, shoot, turn, take somebody on. Now, the more confidence we can give them to make the correct decision, the better they're going to perform. So that picture for that moment, what I would see as a coach of a, a young player, the young lady's playing and she's got the ball in midfield. I might see the opportunity from where I'm standing, the picture I'm seeing. Got a chance of a shot here. It's got a chance to score. Now, if I shout on, shoot, that's going to affect, potentially affect her decision-making for a split second. And that could, in effect, stop her from successfully retaining the ball, whether that's, well, I can see a pass now to my, my friend at the back post there. And if I do that, she's got a chance to score. But that split second, oh, hang on, Mark's just told me that I should shoot. Opportunity might go. So giving the players the the confidence to know that whatever you're going to decide to do, if that's a pass, if that's a shot, you take it because you're the only person in the whole wide world who'll see that particular picture at that time. And if you think about the game, like I mentioned before, and all the moving parts, you'll probably never see a picture like it again. Defenders in certain positions, you're in a certain position on the pitch, your teammates, et cetera, et cetera. That's one of the beauties of the game, isn't it? Because there's so many moving parts. Now, if you've got a child, a player, who understands that I'm going to try that, and if I get it right, oh, presto, we're in, we're cooking. But if not, am I going to get shouted at? Mm. Am I going to get, oh, you shouldn't have done that, you should have done this? Or am I going to get supported? The chances are, if you think you, you, you're not confident in your own decision and someone's telling you to shoot, the chances are you'll shoot. And that may not be the right option at that point. So giving the players the environment, a fearless environment, like I mentioned before, where you can go, you know what, I think that's the best option. And if it is, brilliant. And if it's not, I'll know for next time. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll take you back to when I first started coaching. I, I got into it. I volunteered at a local grassroots club. 
um, or long time ago uh, because I wanted to get into coaching. I, I was um, far too injury prone to continue to try and play. So I got into coaching because I wanted to stay involved. Um, and I think the first, from a from a coaching perspective, one of my big things was I need I need the, these parents to 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 know that I know what I'm doing. So what I used to do was if whenever anything didn't quite go right on the pitch, I'd I'd shout on and go, "Oh Owen, oh what a great idea that was!" But but what could you have done? And they tell me tell me the answer, or she would tell me the answer. And this went on for about weeks. I don't know, probably longer. Um, and there was one day on the way home in the car, Gary. I was I was sitting there and I thought, you know what? They've they've given me the right answer every time I've asked them the question. Every single time. What could you have done there? What what should you have done there? They told me. And I realized that all I was actually doing by shouting on was highlighting the fact they'd they'd made a mistake, they'd given the ball away or something like that. And I thought to myself, that's a prime example of and these players were eight, I think, at the time, nine. That's a prime example of children, young children, knowing exactly what they could have done next time without me having to highlight it, shout on. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the learning experience and long-term player development. And if we can, as coaches, can create that environment, that fearless environment where a player is comfortable trying something because they think it's the right thing to do but knowing that you know what it's okay if it doesn't if it doesn't come off what I'm trying because we're learning you know next time I'll be a bit better and that experience will help me next time um if we can let the children um allow them a bit of space to develop within themselves and it might be a little reminder at half time or a end of the game or it might be something if you're doing you know a little individual points before the game think about this for next time think about that try that brilliant I love that whatever it looks like we'll start developing some really 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 good players because those players who are confident enough to make their own decisions on a football pitch are normally the ones who will have a little bit more success Mm. Um, so yeah that confidence and I think another big one and I'll come back again at I used the, the phrase before, the next moment. Don't worry about something that's just happened. If you're caring, if you're bothered, it's because you care. And that's fine. It's, it's okay to care about something. But if you're that bothered about it, don't let it stop you being great in the next five minutes. Mm. And again, that, that comes from the adults. That comes from yeah. the coaches and it comes from the parents, the atmosphere that we create. Yeah. That. Oh, I've just been, oh, never mind. Next one, I'm going to get the ball back now. Wallop, thanks very much. I'll have that. And we're off again. Right, mm. what can we do this time? Mm-hmm. And trying to instill that mindset. It's not as easy. You're not going to click a finger, and you know it's it's. We're talking about we're talking about children here, aren't we? Yeah. Especially yeah. The younger ones. Um, yeah. But trying to get at that mindset of going right. Okay. Our efforts good. Our attitudes good, and. I'm here to support and help you. And I like what you've tried there. Great. Tell me what you could have done. Obviously mm. not shouting on the pitch, highlighting a mistake like me. Um, will ultimately build their confidence and build their decision-making skills. Um, and give, again, I've used the phrase probably about a million times in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, give the players the best chance of success, whatever that looks mm. like. 
Yeah, fantastic, Mark. Mark, what would be your takeaway messages from today? Oh, be patient. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest one. I'll come back yeah. to that in a sec. I think as a coach, as coaches, irrespective of who you're coaching for or what level you're coaching at, it's about impact. And if a, a young a young player, young lady or a young man crosses the road in 10 years' time to say hi and tell you that you need a cut and colour because your hair's gone grey, that's an impact. That that is having an impact, and um, it's lovely to see players go on and develop into you know um, talented talented young players. But football is not just about the ball and the pitch; it's about life skills. It's about building that resilience and that positive attitude. Because if we can do that, then there's there's a chance that whatever they pursue in life, when they get a little bit older, um, they they'll have a great chance of success. Um, don't underestimate the impact that we as coaches can have on a on a, a child's journey. Um, football ultimately is is just a tool in that. Um, another couple of ones, 100% effort and positive attitude to learning gives them the best chance of success. The picture, they're the only ones who can see that. Not us on the sidelines, not us as coaches. Um, they're the only ones, so let them decide what's, what they think's best and try and guide them to get to the right decision if needed. Yeah. Sometimes that, that's the design of our sessions. See if it's a game, it's a game, whatever that looks like, but experience and a supportive attitude will help with that. The next moment is the most important one, not the one that's just passed, the next one. And if as a young player, you're bothered about Making a mistake shows you care. So if you care, the next one's the most important one. One shows how great you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very last one is just be patient. They're just children, young people who are learning. Um, who obviously start playing because they love football, as many of us do. Um, and yeah, a bit of patience and you never know where it might lead for the kids. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate your, really appreciate your time uh, from the sidelines today, uh, chatting around long-term player development. And we'll hopefully see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Cheers, Mark.